Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the James Webb Space Telescope. I may have mentioned about it here before. Um, Maybe you know nothing of it, but I'm a little bit taken with the James Webb Space Telescope. It's been up there, about 1.5 million k's above us, for just over a year, launched on Christmas Day in 2021. Um, And it's capturing some incredible images of space, stuff that we have never, ever seen before. Some absolutely beautiful images of space, uh, and I'm told that they, we are getting a hundred times more clarity than the last thing we chucked up there to try and do the same job, the Hubble telescope. And, uh, and that picture on the, formerly on the right of the screen, it's called the Pillars of Creation. And I just, I just look at these images and go, man, that, that is beautiful. That is glorious, what is capturing. And once upon a time in human history, um, it was understood that there was one Uh, Sorry, 170 billion galaxies. 170 billion galaxies. Now, I can't get my head around 170 billion. I mean, that's way beyond my bank account. Um, But I would have thought it was 170 billion stars. No, we're talking 170 billion galaxies up there. That was once upon a time in human history because they are so far wrong with that estimate. It is now believed that there is something like two trillion galaxies in the observable universe. What is observable universe? Well, I can't give you a scientific definition, but it basically implies we haven't found the end of the universe. It's just the stuff that we can see so far. There's two trillion galaxies up there. And look at some of the glory and the beauty of it. How do you get your head around that stuff? How do you comprehend the vastness of space But I think the real question is, how do you comprehend the vastness of the one who designed that? Who has the power that has no rival or no equal and it has the ability to create all that dimension of space? How do we begin to to comprehend who he is? What words do that justice? He's bigger than the vastness of space. He's beyond. He's greater. He's more glorious. He's majestic. But I think it's pretty easy for us to all agree that it basically says that he is completely other. He is completely other. He is not us and we are clearly not him. He is in a league of his own. And I think those images give us this glimpse into who we are talking about when we talk about who is God. But in Philippians chapter 2, it gives us, I think, maybe um, an even greater glimpse, a, a bit of a way to comprehend something of who this God is. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says these words, And consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, and yet gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. I love that line. He humbled himself, became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death. 
by crucifixion? How do we begin to understand and comprehend this God who is completely other? We look at Jesus. How do we begin to understand God's love demonstrated towards us? We look at Jesus. And there's this incredible stepping down, a letting go of Jesus. God who is divine, who is completely other, who is far beyond here, who lives in a complete other dimension to us, another realm from us, has this amazing willingness and open-handedness, a letting go of his glory and his majesty that was rightfully his. He lets go of all his rights and all his entitlements and he steps down. And that stepping down, that stepping down is the greatest stepping down in all of human history. From that God who is completely other and has this amazing creative design and power, steps down and becomes human. Now that's a step down. That's a step down. Sometimes we make ourselves, us humans, to be a little bit important and a little bit, um, I don't know, bigger than we actually are or a lot bigger than we actually are and we get this sense of grandiose self-importance. But if we put ourselves in the light of who God is and stepping down into this vulnerable space, into being a human, but more than that, He doesn't step down to set up his throne on the earth and just become the ruler that clicks his fingers. He becomes one who serves. One who serves. One who is obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. Something of his own self-expense for the sake of others. And if we want to understand who God is, we must look at Jesus. But why? Why would God demonstrate who he is through Jesus and to demonstrate his love that way? To demonstrate his love, not by mere words spoken, but by incredible actions, profound action. To show that he's not interested in division or separation from us, from his creation, from humanity. He actually wants to restore relationship with us. He comes to extend an invitation to the world. No more division, no more separation. I come to extend an invitation. How many times, uh, how many stories do we know of, of something that comes from another dimension? We call it extraterrestrial. Comes into our dimension. And there's this line in that story somewhere. I come in peace. God through Jesus is declaring, I come in peace to demonstrate that by making the first move, it can never, will never, has never, ever been dependent on you. His love has never been dependent on you because his love is no strings attached. It's completely other. It's completely out of this world. Funny, isn't it? That a whole bunch of you who've been around this doing church for a long time, you know that to be true. You know about the love of God. Maybe for a bunch of us, me included, who grew up in the church singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Quoting that scripture 
that is probably the most quoted scripture around the globe. John 3.16, for God so the world. And yet, you haven't actually begun to start to live in the truth of it. Which is why I bought my chair, of course. I like my chair. It's a simple, humble, lovely little chair. You probably can't see, but there's some engravings, some carvings on there. I don't know. It's just got character. And I like my chair. And I know the truth that this is a chair. I acknowledge it to be a chair. You know that this is a chair, right? And together we would acknowledge that the truth of this, absolutely, this piece, this object is a chair. But I refuse to sit on it. You know what? I'd just rather carry that truth around with me. And that would be dumb. That would be crazy if I just carried around the truth of this chair. Because it gets tiring. It gets tiring. And this morning, there's something in here that just says there's people in this place that just need to accept and to put your faith and your trust in the story of Jesus Christ, the completely other that sends an invitation of love, acceptance and forgiveness to you. Because it's so easy to say, yes, I believe he loves the world, but we've never accepted that truth for ourselves. That's way too easy. And there's life situations that, yeah, have gotten in the way of us receiving that story. The way that we've been treated, the way that value has been placed or not placed on our life, we find it hard to receive. And I think another thing that gets in the way is that we're waiting for this amazing divine feeling of love. But I want to challenge that thought this morning and say to you, just accept the truth of the story. Just take a seat. Rest your full weight in the love that God has for you. That his invitation is extended to you. To the world, yes. But his love is never dependent on you being good enough, having done enough or, or not included because of the stuff that you know that you've done and he knows that you've done but his love continues forever. Maybe there's some here this morning and, and church isn't the thing that you've done. Maybe this is a new place and a new space for you and you would say, I've never really bought into the story of Jesus Christ. But I want to extend that invitation from God to you this morning. And it simply is just to accept the truth that God loves the world, God loves you, and his invitation is extended to you as well. If you've never received that invitation, just simply take a seat. (laughs) Rest, accept, say yes to his story. That amazing story... There are so many people in this place who've done that and we've never regretted it. And to live in the freedom and the rest that we are loved by something completely other, God himself is truly transforming. So simply respond today, if that's you. If something in the last couple of minutes has spoken to you, just simply respond.
Our second response is, as Philippians 2 said, is to let his mindset, his example, become our motivation. Simply put, our challenge, our call is to love as Jesus loves. Easy, right? I think that maybe we save our worst efforts in demonstrating love for those who least deserve it and those who most deserve it. Jesus gives a sermon on this mountainside one day. It's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and he unpacks a whole lot of, hey, this is the way that life is to be lived in my kingdom, in the way that we do life, a follower of Jesus, this is what it means. And, and, he, and he has this little phrase, he said, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And it's one of those moments where he's actually going, hey, you might have thought this, but I'm saying this is how you live as a follower of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 5, your ancestors have been taught, love your neighbours and hate the one who hates you. That's a cool thing to be taught, isn't it? That's lovely. It's heartwarming. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful to the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. For he is kind By bringing the sunrise to warm and the rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or what is evil. I'm not sure if many of us, perhaps regularly, daily, weekly, run into those who we would say least deserving it. Because if we say, who's least deserving of God's love? We'd probably put a whole lot of labels after that about some really wicked and evil people. But I think, I'm guessing probably most of us are not running into those people on a regular basis. But there's some people who fared income, just get up your nose, right? Who has people that get up their nose? No, it's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. But I'm going to tell you, about the type of person that gets up my nose. I'm in line at, a, at traffic lights and I'm maybe, you know, maybe there's 10 cars and I'm the sixth or seventh and there's somebody who crosses the road, but do they cross at the pedestrian crossing? No, they don't. They cross about three cars back and the traffic lights go green and they're just walking across the road like nobody cares because they have absolutely no respect for anybody else, nobody's time, nobody's priorities. They don't care. And sometimes there's a couple of them. And there's this smug little look on their faces. And sometimes it's a middle-aged man. Oh, grow up. That person gets up my nose. And I am not in that moment feeling all much like I want to demonstrate love. In fact, as one of my friends says, I want to bless them with a throat punch. (laughs) I want to get out of my car and go up there and tell them a little bit about how the world works because you're getting up my nose right now and Jesus' love demonstrated is not coming from me. I don't know if you ever have those moments. It's probably just 
me and Pastor Chris. Isn't that right, Pastor Chris? My brother in sin, I think you referred to us last year. Thank you for coming along today. Now I get you back. But I love the end of Jesus' little passage there in Matthew, and he says, God's not like that. And how do we know? Because he demonstrates it this simply. The sun came up today. On who? All of us. The rain came down on planet Earth to refresh it. On who? Not just the good. Wouldn't that be funny? You know, it's raining down on here, on you guys. You're getting the rain somewhere else. It's not. Not pointing out any part of the crowd. How do we know God's love? The sun came up today on the good and the evil. I love how God makes it so practical and tangible. God isn't anywhere near as fickle as I am. His kindness, how do we know it? The sun got up today on the good and the evil. But if we're honest, if we're really honest, I think we would go... Yeah, but they're least des- less deserving, which is funny because just a few moments ago, we thought we were less deserving of receiving God's love, but now we're pointing out, but I'm maybe not that deserving, but that person, they're even less deserving. Aren't we weird? Aren't we fickle? And I think maybe we serve, we save our worst efforts of demonstrating love to those who are most deserving. What do I mean by that? The people we do life with regularly, our families, our workmates, maybe even people in the church. And the verses just before Philippians tells us to consider the example of Jesus Christ, it says these words, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your heart, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Consider the example of Jesus. Let his mindset become your motivation. What a completely easy list, yeah? Be free from pride-filled opinions. Tick, done that. Put others first, all day, every day. View others as more important yourself, done, easy. Abandon selfishness, mostly. Be concerned with what matters to others. Oh my gosh, what an incredible list of how to demonstrate love to others. But if we are authentically, genuinely honest I think we would all have to go, it's a struggle to do that stuff. It's a struggle to let go. It's a struggle to step down. And the biggest thing that gets in the way is you, is me, is us in demonstrating that love to other people. And I think the three things that get in the way of that is that I want my opinions respected I want people to meet my expectations and I want my rules kept. Because you all have opinions, right? We all have opinions. And we didn't come up with opinions because we thought they were wrong. We actually believe them to be right. 
And then we also hold on to convictions and beliefs and they're good things. But what happens when we have differing opinions? How do I demonstrate love in that moment? Because the church has this unbelievable record that when we differ in how we view God and theology, that it doesn't let us divide, it actually unites us. If you didn't pick that up, that was heavy sarcasm. We have a terrible record of demonstrating love to one another when we have differing opinions and beliefs and convictions. Here's what I believe. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Let's get along. Let's get along because that's the one thing that should unite us. How do we treat each other? We had, a, we had a moment about 12 months ago when this thing called that mandate came down. Oh my gosh, that tested relationships and how we display love to one another. Maybe that's too raw because that was a messy time. But how did we go displaying love to others with differing opinions? Because if we hold on to them, man, they're going to get in the way. What about our expectations? And our expectations often in our marriage relationship. And how often do we keep those expectations unspoken and then get upset when they're not met? Not much? Okay, just that was a pop quiz. <laughs> just me. And they're not necessarily bad, just like our opinions and our beliefs and our convictions. But if I'm going to hold on to and not let go of my expectations in marriage and then they're not met and then I refuse to let go and step down from my rights and my entitlements, it becomes a relationship killer. I don't know if you've discovered, but you've got a playbook of life. You've got a rule book. You've developed your rule book across the lifespan, writing things down in there of how life is supposed to be done. Every single one of us have developed that playbook with the list of rules at the front. Life should follow this set of rules. How do we go when someone doesn't keep one of those rules? You know, in the workplace, when you know what work ethic is and there's someone who clearly doesn't, it just never seems to bite them on the bum though. They keep getting away with it. You know how to spell the word punctual and do it, but they don't. They think starting time is a mere suggestion. They don't keep your rules. How do you respond to that person? When you're prepared to go the extra mile and people don't, what about your rules for friendships and how we're supposed to do this? You know that friend that turns up 45 minutes late consistently, says, I'll call, I'll text, but you never get a reply to any text you said, I call them adult children. What about the rules for your children? Because you had a path you wanted them to follow. You wanted hopes and aspirations. You, you know that there's a good path and they're not choosing that. How do you demonstrate love to those people? Because we can save our worst attempt at demonstrating God's incredible love to those who maybe most deserve it. 
And if we're not careful, those who don't meet our expectations and keep our rules, it forms a grudge, which becomes resentment, which becomes unforgiveness. It doesn't become love demonstrated. It becomes impatience and frustration. And then it becomes uh, manipulative and using passive-aggressive. And if we're not careful, it turns into throat punches. Violence, because that'll work. But I think we've been given a great list of what love demonstrated in human relationship looks like. It's patience, it's kindness, it's compassion, it's understanding, it's long-suffering. Love that word. It's self-control. Because a Jesus sort of love is a letting go of what you think you're entitled to, letting go of your opinions and being the one that's always right. A Jesus sort of love is giving up the entitlements to my expectations being met and my rules kept. Because his demonstration of love through Jesus Christ is incredibly this. It's no strings attached. His love towards us is not conditional on you being good enough, doing enough, being perfect enough, or conversely, having not done enough, being not perfect enough, and having messed up entirely. That's a God type of love, a type of love that is completely other. And we sang in the song today, heaven break out, heaven break out. Lord, move in power. And my gosh, I've got some situations where I want to see that too. But heaven breaks out when we live this Jesus sort of a love. When we live something that looks extraterrestrial, that is not deserved, that is no strings attached, because that love, church, becomes transformational because it's transformed my life. And when people receive that stuff and they know it's not deserved, they struggle to receive it, but something in them begins to go, why have you done that? And that is moments where it can become a life-transforming connection to this completely other God who stepped into this dimension. Let's pray. Jesus, you are amazing. Your love demonstrated stepping into this dimension. We are so undeserving, but we thank you for your incredible love poured out, no strings attached. And Father, I pray that there are people here today who would just simply take that that childlike, simple step of faith to put their trust in your love. Would you work in their hearts? And God, what an incredible challenge that we are to love like you. God, forgive us that we we don't do it. We all know that. But God, would you empower us this year for heaven to break out, for your kingdom to come in our lives that we might display it to others. And especially in the moments where we struggle because there's this deserving mentality we have in us. Thank you for your incredible power while we have our eyes closed, if that's you this morning that's going to respond for the first time just to put your trust in God's love for you, to respond to his invitation, 
Would you just simply acknowledge that just by placing your hand in the air? Say, yep, that's me today. Is there anybody who just wants to take that simple step and respond? Fantastic. Thank you very much, church. I'm going to hand over to Pastor C now.